This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. And Ben, this week, uh, the HPD Commissioner, Vicki Bean, appeared at a budget hearing. And uh, the way it's been cast in the press, anyway, is that in the ongoing uh, barroom fight between Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo, she basically smashed a bottle against a table and said, bring it on. Is that your majority? <laughs> yeah, you know well, you well, Vicki Bean, I don't think, is one you'd ever see do something like that. But in her way, you know, she likes to describe herself as being, you know, wonky and being, uh, you know, very... Uh, in the weeds, in the zoning and housing uh, world. So, but she was very frank, and so were city council members. And this was another one of these hearings where it was like the de Blasio administration and city council members basically on the same page about everything, but they had this foil in the governor and the state because they're very concerned about the state budget and um, some of the issues around affordable housing bonds that the city relies on to, to build a lot of affordable housing. Where that fits into the larger plan is that, you know, they're talking about these zoning changes, they're talking about subsidies, all this type of, of important work to build these affordable units. They rely on federal tax exempt bonds to be able to build affordable housing in the city. And the governor's office is looking at both limiting how much of those bonds comes to the city and putting in a new mechanism for approving the use of those bonds, which could cause all sorts of trouble in the city. Right, slow things down. That's interesting that they also would maybe take some of the, they call it volume cap, right, mm -hmm. away from New York and direct it elsewhere in the state. And is there, is there, do you know, is there supposedly like a substantive reason for that? Does like Buffalo need more bonds or well, something? So here's the very interesting part is that the governor put out his state of the state plan and his, you know, 2016 agenda. And that was in January. And in those hundreds of pages of documents that they put out, he's got a general outline of a housing plan, but it actually says in the document, details on this plan will be coming in the next weeks. We haven't seen anything else on that. The governor's office has not said a lot when news outlets have reached out about what their plans are. And they've started to sort of walk back a little bit about how much they might be uh, getting involved in the city's affordable housing business. Um, but he, the governor is certainly looking at how he can take more control of affordable housing around the state. And of course, you would assume that would mean some municipalities other than New York City. Right, yeah. right. I think earlier this week, homeless advocates had a different complaint about Cuomo, which was on the issue of um, the subsidy paid for housing under public assistance still lagging. Um, and also the question of whether the state will match the city's commitment to supportive housing, which, you know, obviously de Blasio has, has put down a marker on that. Um, you mentioned that the council and the mayor were basically on the same page in that budget hearing, but when it comes to the mayor's plan, especially his CD-RAG rezonings, we had another example this week of there still being some tension around that. The Black, Latino, and Asian Caucus put out their position paper on MIH, the Mandatory Inclusionary Housing Proposal, and it covered, I guess, what we would say is like some familiar territory, right? Stuff we expected it to. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, the, the caucus is just about half the council, which is significant. And also, as we've talked about before, um, the zoning subcommittee is led by Councilmember Richards. And, you know, he's been putting communities of color at the forefront of these discussions. And so for the BLAC to come out with their proposal, they really focused, as expected, on affordability levels as well as, as some other things. Right, they talked about affordability levels, wanting it to go lower, um, wanting developers that went higher under like the workforce option, kind of more moderate income stuff, to be forced to go even lower. 
uh, and also looking to discourage, as came up a lot during the hearings last month, the off-site affordable housing. Uh, right. They want to make sure that if developers are um, taking advantage of, you know, of a rezoning, that they're not building the affordable units all in another location where they have access to land and just building sort of market rate housing in one spot and affordable housing in another. And the BLAC is very concerned about integrated mixed income housing. And that's what should be very much a part of, of this housing plan and everything else. And, you know, the mayor, especially when he's talked about um, school segregation, he's pointed to a variety of measures that his administration is taking to integrate communities and the housing plan is sort of part of that and they're saying well for it to really work that way we have to not let developers build the affordable units separate right it, one of the things that's come up a lot in this process is the argument over what is appropriate to deal with in a zoning text amendment and what is the other stuff the city has to talk about and that came up in the BLAC proposal too where they dealt with things like MWBE, local hiring, wages. Yeah, it was interesting to see them add to that proposal um, that they went back not just to the zoning proposals, but they went back to the larger housing plan for that part because I think they're acknowledging, okay, maybe you can't do this as part of zoning because zoning is really just about how you use a plot of land or a space, right? Um, so they, they said, we want to see you go back to your larger housing plan and add more about local jobs, local hiring, uh, as you said, you know, contracting with MWBEs. Mm -hmm. Around the same time that the BLAC released their proposal, a few of the community groups, citywide groups that have been involved in this, uh, ANHD, New York Communities for Change, put out a, a very brief position paper, um, basically trying to push the council. Um, you know, this gets pretty deep in the weeds, but you know, we've been talking about AMIs and the question of you know, how low can the city be forced to go on MIH? The council seems to be comfortable with something around 40% AMI. Uh, community groups basically said that's not enough, that they, they want to see 30%. Uh, an option that, that guarantees 30% will be, will be served, um, which, you know, I think was interesting to see the council's probably being pulled by the mayor in one direction, and that is community groups who are, you know, making sure that they're pulled in the opposite way. It's pretty interesting because you're seeing... Um you know, you, this discussion is around households, you know, they're, they're looking for these apartments to be affordable for households that earn, you know, $30,000 a year, which is, which is on the low end of the spectrum. And, you know, the city has continued to push back and say, we need to remember that we have other mechanisms to create affordable housing for the lowest income earners. And that, is, you know, continues so to largely be missing from this discussion because this is so focused on the MIH plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I think when we go back and do sort of an autopsy of all this, we can say maybe from the get-go the de Blasio administration didn't outline well enough as it was rolling these things out how they fit into the larger plan. Right, right. It's, it's all about what you can expect to squeeze out of developers in exchange for more density. And some of the groups that have been active in the local plans, East Harlem and East New York, have asked the city to look at something called the Floor Area Affordability Bonus, or FAB. <laughs> um, and basically the idea is that um, rather than saying that we're going to rezone to a certain point and with, within that new envelope um, you have to have a certain percentage of affordability, is to basically make it a two-tier deal. That everyone can build it to a certain level and there's some affordability attached to that. Um, but then if you want to go even higher or denser, you can do that to some degree, but 
affordability has to be an even bigger part of what you do. Um, in other words, it's kind of a two-stage process. I know that's something that East New York has talked about, uh, the community group out there. Um, I think it's also part of that East Harlem plan. Uh, and East Harlem is something that I think you guys are taking a bigger look at altogether. We're taking a big look at East Harlem. We recently looked at how the Speaker of the City Council and lots of other stakeholders released a, a plan. You guys at City Limits looked at that as well. Um, but now we're really taking a deep dive into the whole East Harlem community because there's so many interesting things happening there, not just the upcoming rezoning, but, you know, what does that also tie to like school seats, like charter schools, like gentrification and, and all the issues that are going on there. Plus, you know, there's there's issues of crime and there's issues of transportation infrastructure. And, and so we're taking a big look at East Harlem as sort of a microcosm of, for the city and its place uh, where it's at now and where it's where it's heading in the next decades. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because from the get-go, uh, the de Blasio administration's approach to this has been, it's not just about housing. This is a comprehensive planning effort we're trying to engage neighborhoods. We're trying to talk not just about the creation of apartments, but all the other stuff you're talking about. And I guess East Harlem is a place where, as you said, we're seeing a lot of those issues play out in a contained manner, uh, including the engaged community. You have a community plan that's that's been pretty well developed there before there's even a rezoning uh, on the table. Right, and that's very different, as we've discussed before, about than East New York, where that really wasn't you know spearheaded like that. And we're seeing East New York. That's uh, right. That's coming up. Coming up uh, Monday, and that'll be voted on, you know, by the city council even before MIH and ZQA go through. So I think we're seeing sort of the tea leaves here that you know everybody sort of knows that these things are all going forward. It's just about what the final tweaks look like. Right, because MIH and ZQA are obviously part of the fabric of the East New York plan. Um, but as you said, the specifics of that, that aren't quite aren't quite done yet. Uh, do you have a sense of the how this process will work? I mean, will the vote on Monday sort of suggest that the, the council mayor deliberations are over, or uh, could things still be fluid, do you think? I think there's some room to, to still have some fluidity there, some tweaks, but I do think we're going to see on Monday what the local council members, especially Rafael Espinal from East New York, uh, what they're looking for to change before this thing really goes through.